Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Well, I want to begin by inviting you to think about your mom, almost as a meditation of sorts, as a way of of honoring and giving thanks for our moms. I want to spend a second together reflecting on them, drawing them to mind. And right off the bat, I'm keenly aware that we all have had different relationships with our moms, stepmoms, stand-in moms, mom-like figures, and so... Feel free to think about mom, however feels right for you. So begin by by simply drawing to mind an image of your mom. If you're comfortable with it, you can even close your eyes. You don't have to, but it might help. Can you picture her? Can you picture your mom? Can you draw to mind her smile, her way of being. There's no need to rush this. Next, let's bring that image to life. Almost as if you're watching a video in your mind, can you picture your mom laughing? (laughs) Like really laughing. Can you hear her? Is it a quiet, reserved laugh? Is it loud and wholehearted? Is she the one that loves to make everyone around her laugh, or is she the one that loves to laugh at everyone else's jokes? Can you remember a time when she couldn't stop laughing? Just sit with that for a second. And then as if the director cuts to a completely different scene, can you recall a moment when your mom was there for you? Like had your back, comforted you. Can you remember what the scenario was that brought you to a place where you wanted, just needed your mom? What did she do? What did she say? How was she able to make you feel safe and loved? How was she able to make you feel like everything was going to be okay? Moms, right? Moms. For me, it was only a couple days before graduating high school. I worked at a cabinet shop. And I was finishing up for the day, and then I felt something I'd never felt before. It was an immense amount of pain in my back and in my chest. It kept getting worse to the point I was struggling to breathe. I wondered, is this what a heart attack feels like? Is that what's going on? My best friend was there, and so he raced me to the hospital. Truthfully, I don't remember a whole lot of it. I remember getting to the nurse's station, the ER, and coincidentally, the head nurse for the day was that buddy's mom. (laughs) I remember trying to answer her questions, but struggling to catch my breath. I remember wishing that it was my mom who was there. 
And then it kind of just goes black. I remember waking up in a hospital bed with a tube sticking out of my chest, completely confused, but this time it, it was my mom that was in the room. Apparently I'd suffered a, a massive spontaneous pneumothorax, aka my lung had collapsed. The whole thing had, had me shaken up. I was still drowsy from the, the painkillers and sedatives. But as my mom always seems to be able to do, she had me laughing and smiling in no time. She told me that while I was drugged up from getting the emergency chest tube put in, that I, without an ounce of shame, was aggressively flirting with every nurse that walked into the room. (laughs) I remember hoping to God that I hadn't been hitting on my buddy's mom. (laughs) I remember laughing so hard with my mom that my heart rate monitor freaked out and in came running some nurses, which just added to the laughter. Moms, right? My mom brought me home. Because of the chest tube, I was supposed to sleep in a slightly upright position, so she set up the living room for me. As I tried to fall asleep on the couch, I watched her grab a blanket and she slept on the floor right beside me. She wasn't going anywhere, and that's all I needed to know to fall asleep. Moms, right? Can you picture your mom? Can you hear her laugh? Can you recall a time where she had your back? She did that mom's thing that makes you feel like it's going to be okay. We're going to come back to those images memories, so hold them close. But I also want to read some stories from the Bible to you. Last week, we ended up on a mountaintop, and Jesus stood there with his friends and disciples right before he ascended, right before he was lifted up into the sky. And so let's jump back into that story and catch up with them. This is a reading from Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 10. The disciples were looking intently up into the sky as Jesus was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. Then the disciples returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they had all been staying. Those present were Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now listen, I've, I've read this story, these exact same words, I don't know, honestly, likely hundreds of times. I've always had an image of this moment in my mind. It's the precursor to Pentecost, which is one of my favorite stories of the early church. 
I can picture Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew huddled up. I can imagine them praying together, wondering what on earth they do next now that Jesus is gone. But it wasn't until this week that I really even noticed that Jesus' mom was in the room with them. It's like I just kind of missed that detail before. My heart wasn't ready to, to sync up with it. I don't know why, but, but the image of Mary being in the small upper room with all of Jesus' friends, it did something to me this week. I felt it. I could feel Mary's love for her son, even though he wasn't there anymore. We all know the beginning of their story, Mary and Joseph, the angel, the donkey ride to Bethlehem, the the delivery in a manger. But that's just the start of their journey together. Mary then flees with Jesus to Egypt because she catches wind that, that King Herod wants to kill her son. I mean, this girl is young, carrying her newborn baby as she treks to a foreign country. Right, no, no travel agent to ensure everything's going to be all right. No Google Maps to keep them on the right path. Just, just a desert between them and safety. We don't know how long they're in hiding together, but eventually they returned. The first time Mary brings her boy into the temple, she, she comes face to face with the reality that he's different. People are prophesying that he's the one. And then she loses him. Like can't find him in the department store, sort of loses him. She's freaking out, searching everywhere, and then she finds him. She finds her 12-year-old son holding court in the temple, uh, having astonishing conversations with the priests and the religious leaders. Who is this kid? Right? Her son. Then time picks up pace, not unlike raising our own kids. Before you know it, Jesus is an adult. One of the very first times we bump into him is at a wedding reception with his mom. They're at a party together. Probably the wedding of someone in the village Jesus grew up with. And and it's such a rocking party that the host has run out of wine. But instead of calling it a night, Mary approaches her son and asks him to do something about it, to fix it. In John 2, verse 3, we read, When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no wine, Jesus. And the thing is, Jesus hadn't done any miracles yet, at least none that were written down. And so we have no idea what Mary expects Jesus to do in this moment. Is she asking him for a miracle or is he just, she just sending him on a beer run? We don't know. Turns out Jesus takes six massive stone jars full of water and somehow transforms it into gallons upon gallons of the best wine anyone at the party had ever tasted. It was his very first miracle and it took place at a party with his mom because his mom asked him to because his mom recognized in him the power to make a difference do you know that feeling right there is something about your mom believing in you that can give you the power and the strength to do almost anything 
I may be reading between the lines too much, but I imagine Jesus and his mom laughing about the ridiculous amount of wine he made and, and whether he could pull that trick off every Friday night. Mary sees something in him. She believes in him. And she pops up from time to time throughout the gospel. She's in it with him to the very end, like the very end. You see, the next time we get a close-up of of Mary and Jesus together, it's at the foot of the cross. After watching her son harassed and beaten up by an angry mob, she then follows him to the place where he's publicly crucified. And despite the fact that the three years leading up to it, Jesus had crowds following him everywhere he went, there weren't very many people that remained with him in his hardest hour, right? Most of his disciples and friends deserted him, left him, fled out of fear, but not his mom. We read in John chapter 19, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, mother, this is your son. And to the disciple, he said, here's your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Moms, right? You can laugh with them at a wedding feast. They see the best in you when you're just getting started. They stick it out with you when things get tough. Moms. And Mary, Jesus' mom. She was no distant onlooker. She believed in him. She believed in his ability to make a difference in the world. She believed in what he stood for. And when things got tough, she stood at the foot of the cross, offering the comfort of only a mom could do. And so I guess for the first time while reading today's passage all about the disciples meeting in the small upper room, I finally realized what it must have meant to everyone to have Jesus' mom there. Jesus might be gone, but, but they still have all her perspective and humor and faith and comfort. What a powerful thing it must have been to have Jesus' mom in the room. I mean, it's not hard then to imagine why several traditions hold Mary in such a high regard, or even offering loving prayers to her. All right, Mary, you are so full of grace. Jesus is clearly with you and you with him and, and you are so blessed among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, the son Jesus who you bore. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us, be with us, inspire us now and ever. Moms. Can you picture your mom? Can you draw her to mind, her strength and comfort and laughter? Can you recall that time she had your back? Thank God for moms. Thank God for your moms. Thank God for my mom. Thank God for Mary. Whether your mom's still with you or not, 
take some time today to think about her, to remember her, to hear her laugh, to feel her comfort. And then I encourage you, tell someone a story about her. Tell your kids a story about her. Tell your spouse a story about her. Right? Honor her by telling anyone a story about what made her her, still makes her her. And I encourage you to find a moment, in fact, create a moment, to speak your gratitude. Whether you're lucky enough to do that face-to-face or, or over the phone or if she's no longer with you, speak it as a prayer, whatever form. Take the step to speak your gratitude. Don't just wish her a happy day and then get lost in a conversation about how weird the weather's been lately. (laughs) Take the vulnerable step, specifically naming what her laughter, her comfort, and her love means to you. Moms, right? Thank God for moms. Amen.